Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. You are joining us for episode 373, Are Your Bones Being Destroyed by Toxins? In today's episode, we're going to do a refresher on bone health. We'll cover the role of toxins in the progression of osteoporosis, as well as, of course, food as medicine and nutritional supplement support. Yes, it's about one year out from our last episode that we've done on anything in the world of bone health. In fact, it was episode 345 called Calcium and Bone Health Myths. In that episode, we unpacked the information on how caffeine and various beverages influence bone health. We talked about hormone replacement therapy and a lot of up-to-date demystifying of misinformation that's out there. Also, in episode 205, Structural Health, we've connected the role of bone as an organ and took it a step further beyond it just holding our muscles and ligaments in place, but actually how it can play a role in red blood cell formation, stem cell generation, and in our immune system, producing actually the majority of our white blood cells within the bone. Also a great episode there. And then in 144, we did a deep dive specific on collagen. And in 122, we did our first episode on bone health, building strong bone. Bones, where we covered bone loss, osteoporosis versus osteopenia, DEXA scans, symptoms and risks for bone loss, and then some recommendations, of course. Okay. And then today we'll hit the toxicity element, which is a really interesting thing yes. that has come to light with some of the BPA compounds and things like that interfering with our bone health. Yes. I've had so many clients that have seen improved bone density, literally going against the aging process with the use of our osteofactors and managing their hormones, making sure that their estradiol levels are optimized through our Labrix Neurohormone Complete Plus panel and doing weight-bearing exercise. Mm -hmm. Those are kind of like the big hits that we see huge, remarkable influence. Uh, We've done deep dives on micronutrient assessments, but we really started to look at this idea of even heavy metals displacing phosphorus and calcium in bone formation, how toxins can interfere with the bone resorption or basically the metabolic process processes of bone turnover and bone production and so much more. And sometimes that's that missing Achilles heel, if you will. All right. Before we get into all of that, let's go ahead and talk about our 12-week foodist medicine ketosis program coming right up around the corner. Yes. So in just a couple weeks, we will be in the new year. I know that this end of the year is always fast and furious, and we may not be right in the mindset of self-care or investing in our health and wellness, but I'm telling you now is the time to commit 
and grab your spot in our 12-week food as medicine ketosis class. This is going to start on Wednesday, January 10th, and the class is going to go from 12 noon Central Standard to 1 or 1.30. So every other week on the odds, we will be doing a deep dive functional medicine topic. So whether we're covering cardiometabolic health and insulin resistance, the role of cholesterol and uh, vessel health in the pathology or the progression of cardiovascular disease. We'll talk about different forms of fats and how to support your body best to prevent Alzheimer's disease. We'll talk about hormones. We talk a lot about gut health, uh, whether we're digging into dysbiosis and candida with our assessments through our program, or whether we're talking about leaky gut and food sensitivity. We also will cover in our program various protocols based on whether you have an autoimmune condition, whether you are postpartum or breastfeeding, looking for fertility, looking for weight loss and body composition change, or even recovering from cancer treatment or a trauma and you need to repair and regain muscle mass or gain weight overall. Our food as medicine ketosis program can have a specific way to ensure that you get real time results. And what we're so excited about this year is adding in on the evens of the weeks. So the second week, the fourth week, et cetera, I will be meeting with all the live participants to do a troubleshooting uh, I guess, class. And so we'll be talking about what we covered the class before, uh, addressing areas of pitfalls, claiming and um, celebrating successes together, and really taking things next level for more individualized care and support. Yes. And that'll be a more kind of intimate setting. You'll be able to turn your camera or at least your microphone on and actively participate. And we'll even be using some of y'all as like little, you know, not not lab rats, case studies. That's the word. (laughs) Um, But being able to actually share what's going on in your body and really working through it a little bit deeper dive. And I think that'll be super supportive of getting everyone through the full 12 weeks, fully committed and getting amazing results. Yes. So this program is only $399, an amazing investment for three months of support and what we've seen to yield such amazing results, such as reduced cravings, over 15 pounds of weight loss. We've seen medication reduction, individuals getting off of their metformin, their diabetic drug, or their hypertensive blood pressure medications. We've seen significant improvements in mood, sleep quality, and even just having a newfound sense of vitality or feeling like ourselves again in our body. So if you're feeling like the holidays started to get the best of you, or you've spent this last year kind of touch and go, start, stop on various wellness programs or reading these books and changing these things, but not really getting results, level up and join our 12-week food as medicine ketosis program that starts January 10th. We can't wait to see you there and we can't wait to support you in redefining your relationship with food and feeling absolutely amazing in your body. All right, let's do it. So let's first cover what functions bones provide for our bodies and just a little refresh on why our bone health matters so much. 
Okay, so I think when we think about bones, we think of the skeleton, right? And the most obvious function of our bones is to protect our vital organs, as well as to provide structure and shape or a frame that allows movement of our body. But bones go, as we've defined in past episodes, so much further in really playing a vital role in our physiological balance in the body or our homeostasis, if you will. In fact, bones play a huge role in nutrient storage in our body. And as I mentioned, in generating stem cells and in supporting blood cell production capabilities. So in some sense, they're necessary for even oxygenating our body by the carriers within our red blood cells. Uh, They play a significant role on our immune health, producing, again, a large amount of our white blood cell response. And throughout our lives, as bone is a living tissue, they go through various phases of remodeling, if you will. So we can see loss of bone mass when we have more bone resorption or breakdown, and then um, we're not getting more remodeling or osteoblast or osteobuilding, bone building activities in the body. And that's where we'll start to see an imbalance where we start to see breakdown or porous bones in the world of osteoporosis. And this is characterized by low bone mineral density. So the bone structure itself starts to thin out, get more brittle, and this will drive less function in the world of red blood cell formation, stem cell formation, immune health, etc., but also yields the risk for bone fractures as the bones get more brittle and uh, demineralized. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more on specifically bone breakdown. Um, The risk of bone loss and osteoporosis is going to increase with age, but there's a lot of lifestyle factors that can really reduce risk, promote bone health. Um, Let's start maybe with the diet risk factors. Yeah. So when we look at dietary impact, we see time and time again that a poor quality, sad, standard American, Western style diet can yield poor bone health. We've seen that bone loss risk factors are going to be driven by fried foods, especially those processed industrialized fats and oils, by uh, excessive carbohydrates, um, so soft drinks, especially fructose, and refined sugar, we've seen significant clinical impact. So actually, there was the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition study of 2,000 adults, and they looked at individuals with a 2.48, let's call it a 2.5-fold greater odds of frailty in those that were having greater than 36 grams of added sugar per day when compared to those that were having less than 15 grams per day of added sugar. And less than 15 grams per day of added sugar is definitely below a standard American diet. So this would be someone doing a little bit more of an actual lower glycemic, maybe not fully ketogenic diet, but a a carb conscious approach to eating to stay under that 15 grams of sugar. So most people exceeding that and starting to see 2.5 impact on bone breakdown. And then we know that fructose mechanistically actually depletes magnesium as well as other 
trace minerals that play a role with bone health. Um, so fructose is going to play a role of imbalance in the body. And when we get magnesium depletion, this can have a huge impact on bone health. We'll dig into magnesium as a food as medicine approach in a little bit. Okay. Um, so with all that talk, I start to think about keto, but of course there's that myth which keto breaks down your bones or causes, um, mineral imbalance basically. Um, so let's cover this a little bit and, you know, we can clearly see that sugar is a big risk factor. How does low carb or does low carb impact our bones? So you might read that if you do a quick Google search, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I think that there's a lot of misinformation out there, but there was a lovely study put out by Science Direct, um, and the name of the research study is Long-Term Effects of a Very Low-Carbohydrate Weight Loss Diet and an Isocaloric Low-Fat Diet on Bone Health in Obese Individuals. And this was a randomized clinical trial, so not an observational study. I always like to call that out. And they looked at the weight loss following a low calorie, low carb diet versus the low fat diet, and that it did not differentially impact markers of bone health over a 12 month period of time in these individuals. Um, Also, a systematic review concluded that higher protein intake isn't associated with adverse effects on bone health and actually, in fact, may support bone mineral density and help to protect the spine. So, you know, I think the big thing that we look at when we look for bone health is yes, we need weight bearing activity, but we don't need obesity. (laughs) When we especially connect going further, the fact that our body fat storage can hold toxins, this over time can actually have more of an advanced physiological impact on demineralizing. And when you're using something like a ketogenic diet to lose body fat, you're reducing that amount of toxins being held in the body first off. But then when you're using a ketogenic diet, you're also going to be eating a more moderate to higher protein approach, especially the way that we go into it, which really means you're getting more zinc, you're getting more B vitamins, you're going to get the building blocks for the bulk of our tendons and ligaments, which interact with our bone. And we know that um, lysine, threonine, methionine, tryptophan, and isoleucine are key amino acids or building blocks that play a role from our protein-rich foods, which would be higher in most people doing a ketogenic diet, and that these particular amino acids can actually increase osteoblast proliferation or the formation of the bone-building cells. They also can play a role with activation of these bone building cells, differentiation, and they can decrease the osteoclast activity, which the osteoclasts are those that cancel or break down the bone. Okay. And so protein, you know, also is going to go hand in hand, um, certainly with the weight bearing exercise that you alluded to, but let's talk specifically collagen, um, as we're talking protein, because this is literally the glue that holds us together. Yes. So it's always asked uh, as far as collagen um, and, you know, is this a protein? Is it not? So I'm happy to kind of segue into this conversation. So first off, collagen has all amino acids except for tryptophan. Uh, And in the world of bone health, 
tryptophan was mentioned, you know, as one of those amino acids that we need to support that osteoblast function. Now we can get tryptophan in our dark poultry. So like our chicken thighs, we think of especially, um, things like turkey bone broth to be a rich source of tryptophan. And really, as long as you're getting like our grass fed whey and other forms of biological sources of protein, you're going to get your full complete protein. So as long as you're eating meats, fish, eggs, dairy, etc. But I would definitely not discount collagen peptides beyond maybe not being the most bioavailable full protein food. Collagen peptides are absolutely therapeutic for bone, joint, hair, skin, and nail function. And like you said, collagen is the primary structural protein actually found in our extracellular matrix and connective tissues. So they play that glue role in our bones, our muscles, tendons, ligaments, cartilage, skin, even in our intestinal lining, our vessels, the dentin in our teeth, which then contributes to preventing cavities, and even in the corneas of our eyes. And at about age 35, our collagen production starts to slow naturally. At about age 30 is when our bone mineral density peaks. So this is, you know, really timely stuff here. Um, so by about age 40, collagen begins to deplete at a faster rate than the body can reproduce it. And then as we age to 60, over half of our body's collagen has been depleted. Um, there's, of course, things that can exacerbate this depletion. Um, there's genetic properties. There's toxins that can wear away, excessive sun exposure, or, or other forms of oxidative stress, especially in the skin collagen formation, as well as nutritional deficiencies. But one of the first things we can do is consider using collagen peptides as a therapeutic support. And let's talk a little bit more maybe about the specific anti-inflammatory and antioxidant properties of collagen, because I think that is kind of unknown. Yeah, it's interesting to see in studies that actually collagen has antioxidant activities. Uh, it's actually been shown to support the activities of different enzymes in the body that produce different compounds that support antioxidant production. Um, so if we're talking about endogenous or in the body formed um, antioxidants, we look for collagen as a stimulator or a supporter of this factor. So we've seen that collagen can actually increase superoxide dismutase or SOD enzymes, glutathione peroxidases or GSH enzyme pathways. And so when you're increasing SOD and GSH, SH, excuse me, enzyme pathways, that means that there's overall less free radical damage in the tissues. There's overall more glutathione stores in the body. And that whole chain of our antioxidants are preserved to be used maybe at time of infection or actual other stressors in our system. So collagen has that protective mechanism as well as the glue mechanism, which really makes collagen a non-debatable for anyone at age 30 plus sure. yeah. as so a like, daily supplement. Yeah, an anti-aging supplement, if you will. Um, and then even more specifically when we're talking bone health, the naturally nourished pure collagen has a compound called Forda bone, which we just listened to that word and it sounds like it's good for our bones. Yes. So we've actually seen in studies also, in a randomized placebo-controlled double-blinded study, I should call out, so that is the gold standard of clinical literature, that Forda bone over 12 months on 180 women with reduced bone math, 
mass, excuse me, took in five grams of fortibone compared to a placebo. And they saw a significant improvement of bone density in those that used the active compound. And fortibone is one of the unique patented compounds in our pure collagen. So we have fortibone, fortigel, which has been shown to reduce joint inflammation, joint pain, and support cartilage formation. And then there is Verisol, which has shown really remarkable outcomes on reducing cellulite, aiding in skin elasticity, and supporting the thickness of hair strands, um, helping for more robust, healthy hair growth. So all of these unique compounds, when you're looking at price comparison collagen on the market, you want to look for collagen that is sourced from grass-fed cows. Ideally, it is lab tested for toxins because we've seen larger collagen companies out there test positive for heavy metals, which would work against the bone, Mm -hmm. as we'll get into in a moment. Um, So we can guarantee that with our naturally nourished pure collagen. And then we take it next level by having those three different compounds. And again, the Forda bone literally showed improvement on T-scores and Z-scores in DEXA scans compared to the placebo, which showed further bone decline. Okay. Um, and when we're talking prevention of bone loss, do we feel like one to two scoops daily um, or more like two to three of our pure collagen? Yeah. You know, if you're dealing with diagnosed osteoporopenia, excuse me, I would absolutely commit to two scoops mm-hmm. a day. Okay. And then if we're talking about porosis, sure. we'd want to lean into that third scoop. Okay. I would say if you're doing collagen as a maintenance, as just support or preventative, one scoop a day should be a good baseline. Got it. Okay. Um, Let's just take a quick break for a word from our sponsor for this episode, Noble Origins. Yes. So Noble Origins provides a grass-fed organ complex of powdered high-quality beef from New Zealand grass-fed cows. Their powdered organ blend includes beef liver, heart, kidney, pancreas, and spleen to provide nose-to-tail nutrition to Americans. We love this easy access organ blend because we've told y'all before multiple times that organs really are nature's multivitamin. So we're going to get a robust bioavailable dose of B vitamins, as well as unique compounds like CoQ10. Uh, We're also going to get good mineral concentration like iron and zinc in the organs. And truly, we need organs in our diet to balance out our amino acids in the body. So incorporating a half teaspoon to a teaspoon of the Noble Organs Complex, which is that red bag when you go on their website, is a great way to really level up your food as medicine smoothie. Adding this to a green smoothie or uh, any form of smoothie with maybe berries for vitamin C, a scoop of our pure collagen, a scoop of grass-fed whey would really make a mug of food as medicine for you. So if you are having a hard time getting organ blends into your diet, this is one of the easiest way to do it, to feel good about what you're sipping and uh, not really impact the flavor profile significantly. So go on over to Noble Origins, that's N-O-B-L-E-O-R-I-G-I-N-S.com slash Allie Miller RD, and you can use Allie Miller RD at checkout and you will have savings and let them know that you learned about them through the Naturally Nourished podcast. Okay, getting back to bone health. So beyond those risk factors of aging, hormones, weight-bearing exercise status, genetics, 
medical experts are starting to suggest that exposures to heavy metals such as lead and cadmium, as well as endocrine disrupting chemicals such as phthalates and bisphenols can disrupt bone metabolism. And this may increase the risk of osteoporosis, osteopenia, or fracture. Yes. We're starting to see a lot of research emerge in this area. And I think it's really important because even when we look at like obesity research, you know, we've started to talk about mitochondrial toxicity, you know, so eating maybe an isocaloric or similar amount of calories decades prior may not have yielded as many obesogenic effects without the presence of endocrine disrupting compounds, heavy metals, etc. Well, now we're seeing this beyond just the mitochondria and the metabolic story. We're seeing the role of toxins impact even our structural health all the way down to our bones, which I think is just another reason to proactively prioritize detox. But here's kind of the nitty gritty. There was a study in 2023 that looked at information from the National Health and Nutrition Examination Surveys, or the NHANES, and they found that uh, 1,777 middle-aged and elderly participants with increased blood levels of cadmium were significantly associated with increased osteoporosis prevalence. We've also seen on the adverse impact that selenium, which is a known antioxidant mineral, selenium status actually can play a protective role. So as osteoporosis prevalence decreased, uh, blood levels of selenium increase. So the higher selenium you have, the less bone breakdown you have. It seems to be a protective mineral. And interesting enough, seeing low selenium levels in the blood, if we're doing a nutrition analysis, not only can impact the thyroid or the immune system, but we also think of that being an indicator of potential metal toxicity. So there was another study that looked at uh, NHANES data from 2005 to 2010, and they looked at over 2,000 women, and they measured the association between phenolic biomarkers and bone mineral density. So they looked at those that actually had higher urinary levels of BPA associated with a higher prevalence of both osteopenia and osteoporosis in the lumbar spine. Um, Also in 2023, an in vitro study using human osteoblasts found that after treatment with some BPA analogs, the cell proliferation of the osteoblasts, again, those are the bone builders, their cell proliferation or growth was inhibited in a dose-dependent manner. So the more BPA they introduced, the less the osteoblasts functioned, essentially. They also had apoptosis at higher doses, so the cells died or turned over faster, and there were reductions in a calcium nodule formation on osteoblasts. Um, So all this to say that, especially if we think of over the last decade Mm -hmm. or maybe maybe 20 years, I suppose, the drinking water campaign, I mean, like water bottles and water was never a thing. Now I think most people have transitioned over to stainless steel water bottles and like the Stanley cups and like all these kind of on trend yetis and such. So I think that's helped a lot. 
but I still see a lot of Americans carrying around those plastic oh, water yeah. bottles and reusing them. Yes, getting them. tubs of mm-hmm. them. I mean, excuse me, big. Um, what am I thinking of? Cases, cases, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> tubs, yeah. cases of plastic water bottles. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're all using seeing that them at the airport. as their main drinking water. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So that's something quite concerning when we're looking at this actually having mechanistic impact on how the cell functions, its viability, or how long it can actually live, and its ability to be inhibited based on a dose dependence. So the more BPA, the less the bone cells functioned. Yes. And even, you know, all of the BPA free containers and whatnot, there's still BPA like compounds in there. And that's what they're talking about. BPA analog. So we can, you know, safely say any plasticky type polymer container um, is going to have some BPA like compound. Yes. And, you know, it even goes further than BPA uh, to even looking at the endocrine disrupting Mm -hmm. world of phenols, pesticides, phthalates, uh, polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbon metabolites, um, and how these all impact our bone mineral density. So any of these known like forever chemicals or these uh, pesticides, perfumes, fragrances, and phthalates, uh, plastics, right, in any world, are things that we really want to avoid because we've seen that chemical exposure when increased to any of these compounds yielded a significant reduced bone mineral density, and this was seen in both men and women. And then beyond what you're purchasing or utilizing in your household, I think, you know, where you're living and environment really matters too. Um, So we've seen studies of, you know, air pollution in certain areas actually impacting our increased risk of osteoporosis as well. Yes. So participants with the highest air pollution scores had a 14% increased risk for osteoporosis and an 8% increased risk for fracture when compared to those that had lower air pollutants. Um, And individuals that had high air pollutant exposures and low genetic risk scores had the highest risk of developing osteoporosis, which actually came in at 86% greater than those that had lower air pollutant exposure and high genetic risk scores. So we're putting a lot more money actually on toxin exposure than we are on the genetic predisposition. So we can no longer just mm-hmm. say, oh, I have osteopenia or osteoporosis. My mom did. It's now really starting to look at that epigenome sure. or the environmental influence. And I think that that's where toxicity plays a big role. Yeah. Um, and, and so one key thing here is reducing the exposure that you can. Um, so swapping out cosmetic products, using non-toxic cleaning products like Branch Basics, adding air filtration to the home. I know I just picked up a couple air doctors over Black Friday. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some of the ways that we can reduce our lifestyle factors of toxicity. Yes. So I think the biggest thing we can do is remove and reduce where possible. Uh, And so we want to be mindful of where our most chronic exposures may lie and how we can make functional changes. So like you said, we might want to look at uh, direct toxins like 
if we're smoking cigarettes or indirect toxins, like working in an environment where we're exposed to non-organic compounds or volatile organic compounds uh, or toxins, and maybe considering using a HEPA air purifier in our office, maybe considering uh, having more snake plants in your home, which purify the space, um, playing as many ways as we can to offset the level of toxicity. So removing maybe outdoor shoes when coming inside the home. We've talked about that with the world of pollen, but knowing also like in the city, there's a lot of cleaners applied to sidewalks mm-hmm. and chemical applications, etc. cetera. Um, choosing as many organic versions of high pesticide produce where possible and shopping locally at your farmer's market with vendors that don't apply pesticide sprays. Uh, thinking of even in the world of your mattress, um, of selecting maybe an organic mattress over time. We've talked about formaldehyde and some of those other preservative chemicals in those uh, flame retardants that can be quite disruptive for our endocrine system. Looking at the level of paint used in your home, I mean, it can go on forever. And I think it's really just looking at a risk assessment of your particular home and starting to kind of think about especially which investments have a two for one. So like an air filtration of Air Doctor could have a two for one in the sense that if your child is dealing with allergies to the pet um, or there's dust or mold in the home, you're getting a two for one there and also reducing industrialized toxins. Um, If we're looking at, you know, plants as a tool, maybe it adds aesthetic beauty and a responsibility for yourself or your child to water said plant and also provides that oxygenation. Um, And so as we talk about in the world of like detox, not throwing out the baby with the bathwater and freaking out about this, but starting to really consider, okay, I'm now committing to swapping over my dishware to Pyrex completely, or all the water bottles are being shifted, or I'm going to listen to that episode that y'all did about water and do an in-house reverse osmosis system or shift my water so that I'm not purchasing plastic water bottles for the go. Um, And it's all just a continuum, but wherever you can, I think that definitely making lifestyle shifts of changing out your cleaning products, your cosmetics, and as much as you can, your home environment, and then even offsetting work exposure where you can. Sure. Um, so yeah, ridding yourself of, and your home of, of toxins is one. And then I think also, you know, supporting detox on a nutritional basis is also really key for bone health. We'll see, you know, improved antioxidant status. Um, and of course, removal of the toxins, which can destroy bone. Yes. So we definitely don't want to have toxins interfering with how our osteoblasts work. So we really want to ensure that we are getting both that phase one and phase two detox support, and also ensuring that we are getting high antioxidants that offset the risk of metal toxicity or can actually chelate or uh, remove excessive toxic metals in the body. So I think of our Reset, Restore, Renew detox packs And I think of cellular antiox as two really powerful players. And what's really interesting is we actually include the cellular antiox in our anti-inflammatory bundle because there is so much research on NAC and glutathione in rheumatoid arthritis 
or forms of other forms of osteoarthritis, bone pain and inflammation. So this just kind of sheds light in a different angle there mm-hmm. that these high dose antioxidants, um, potentially that's a mechanism is by displacing the toxic metals or by creating that abundance of antioxidant, that that's the mechanism of pain, but also helps with the bone remineralization itself. Yes. So that cellular antioxidants could really be a daily support that's going to aid in detox and help with that antioxidant status as well. Um, but I also think adding in a 10 day detox detox at least a couple of times a year um, or more so if you know that you have a lot of exposure risks. Let's just cover a little bit on how to do that detox. Yes. So when we're talking about the word detox, we have to consider, yes, that the body is armed with a liver and two kidneys that do a lot of mechanisms of detoxification. In fact, we will link a YouTube video where we talk about five myths of detox, and that really gives you kind of the skinny on how we approach our food as medicine detox approach. The reality is that we've seen in literature that when we provide unique botanicals, such as cimilarin from milk thistle seed or watercress, which has unique antioxidants antioxidant compounds or green tea with EGCG, botanicals, sulfur-containing amino acids, which incorporates like our glutathione, our N-acetylcysteine, et cetera. Um, And when we have a balance of these phase one and phase two nutrients that support biochemical processes in the liver and the kidneys that we actually do see clinical impact of nutritional detoxification. So yes, your body is hardwired to know how to detox, but it may not have the capacity or the nutritional status to support living in a toxic world. And so I really feel strongly that all people need to proactively really kind of change the oil tank in the vehicle of their body by doing a 10 day detox, at least like you said, two to three times a year, if not quarterly. And so what we do with our reset, restore, renew detox packs is we provide you five different capsules per pack. We provide you three capsules of phase two support, which is the sulfur containing amino acid suite. And we provide you three of these with one antioxidant blend of botanicals, anything from green tea to pomegranate extract to watercress. And then we also provide you one phase one activity pill, which has bitters and liver gallbladder support like beetroot and artichoke, et cetera. And so we want you to actually be dominant in phase two detoxification because that's where we get the encapsulation and the excretion mechanisms. Phase one is really actually somewhat activating toxins that may be liberated from the body fat from a 10-day detox diet protocol. Um, And we really want to be heavy-handed in that phase two support so that we don't have more free radical damage. We have those antioxidants in our pack to protect against that pathway. And then three to one ratio of sulfur-containing compounds to make sure that those toxins are safely removed from your body. So in our 10-day detox, we use these Reset, Restore, Renew packs at rise and at bed. And then days five through eight for four days, we add a third pack in the middle of the day. There is a detailed food as medicine protocol, which walks you in two-day segments through these 10 days with recipe support, with guidelines of what to remove and what to add in abundance. And it really is a clinically therapeutic approach to ensure 
ensure that you are removing toxins from doing any metabolic or even as we're discussing today, harm to even your bones. Sure. Um, and we just did over Black Friday a um, promo where if you bought the detox packs um, at the Black Friday sale price, you also got our five-day detox guide um, or detox express. I think we were, <laughs> we were calling yes. it um, mini detox, uh, if you will. And that was super popular and a great way kind of in between holidays to reset maybe without committing to the full 10 day process. Yes. And if you're someone I would argue that has been diagnosed with osteopenia and especially if you're diagnosed with osteoporosis, I would say pulsing in these three to five day detox express approaches, which are just a simplified meal plan mm. using, um, bone broth, one green smoothie where you could add collagen in with the grass fed way. And then one, you know, meal with protein and sulfur containing veggies like broccoli, cauliflower, sprouts, et cetera. Um, Doing that type of a simple mini approach, maybe Monday through Thursday is something that might work for some listeners maybe every month to kind of kick off the month. Like the first week of the month, there's a little five-day express detox, and that really helps to support on a metabolic level and also on a bone remineralization level. Totally. Love it. Um, I think for listeners, I can just link that guide in the the show notes if you guys want to take a look at it. And maybe we just keep it with our detox packs. We can do that. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, Totally. Okay, so super interesting, the element of toxins. And then... Once we've felt like we've addressed that area or are kind of plugging some of these things in, um, I want to shift to some other priorities to support bone health with nutrition. And like you said, you know, some level of this could even be reversible. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's talk about calcium supplementation as a start. Yes. So calcium is a supplement that we have seen in research showing that it can benefit individuals with osteoporosis by reducing the rate of bone loss. Um, Ideally, we want to definitely look at the form of calcium that is being used. There are various forms such as citrate, carbonate, calcium gluconate, calcium lactate, All of these are some different percentage of elemental calcium, and they're going to have different rates of influence on resorption as well as tolerance based on GI or digestive stress. Um, We also worry about calcium supplements of these forms, the calcium citrates and carbonates, et cetera, to play unfavorable role on kidney stone development or potentially even a risk factor of calcification of arterial plaques. So one thing to do to prevent that plaque and vessel health element as well as the kidney stone formation risk factor is to ensure that you're also taking vitamin D with a combination of vitamin K, like our vitamin D balance blend. This is really important for anyone that's taking any form of a calcium supplement because vitamin D acts as like a gatekeeper to help calcium absorption while the vitamin K actually acts as like a traffic cop to direct the calcium where it needs to go into the bone. With that being said, any of those forms of calcium have moderate bioavailability and don't have any active bone um, 
factors or growth factors as we see with our osteofactors. So what's really cool about the naturally nourished osteofactors is that this provides a complete bone form of calcium. It's not a percent of an elemental calcium, um, and you're actually getting a complete bone matrix in the microcrystalline hydroxycalapatite. And we talked a little bit about this MCHC matrix when we did our episode a couple weeks back with our guest dentist talking about biological dentistry and what can support teeth health the most because teeth are actually dominant calcium. Um, And so when we look at this MCHC, we know that this provides bone growth factors as well as phosphorus, which is an important trace mineral crucial to bone health. And we've seen in studies that MCHC is shown to be more effective in reducing bone loss and supporting bone mineralization when compared to any of the other forms of calcium on the market. So Yes, calcium's good. Uh, Calcium does come with its risks if it's just an elemental form. So safest bet is to ensure you're doing an MCHC form of calcium, like our osteofactors. And then regardless, you'd always want to pair any form of calcium supplementation with our vitamin D balance blend to have that vitamin D and K2 balance of regulating where the calcium goes in the body. Okay. Um, And then food is medicine for calcium and vitamin D here. Um, So we think about grass-fed dairy. um, So Greek yogurt, cottage cheese would be fabulous. That grass-fed whey that we keep talking about would be great. Um, Eggs, butter, raw fish actually. So sushi as a top recommendation, especially for that vitamin D. Um, And raw fish actually has more choline as well. So just food for thought there. Um, Bone-in fish. So getting like um, sardines that have the bones intact or, um, even bone in canned salmon could work nicely. And the bones are pressure canned and broken down enough that you don't really notice they're even there using that for like a salmon patty or salmon salad would be fabulous. Love it. And I really think that this is the time of the year that we should all be vitamin D status aware. (laughs) So we're heading into middle of December now cold flu viral season is happening and this might be the time that you want to do an at-home vitamin D test kit. You can order that over at Allie Miller RD. You literally just do a very simple finger prick. You can do it for all household members and uh, you get your results back with a suggestion from Becky and myself that we've written that will tell you based on where you're scoring, what dosage of vitamin D you need to take. Uh, So if you're already dosing at 5,000 IUs and your vitamin D comes back at 70, great. You just stay with your one capsule of vitamin D balance blend. If you're taking the vitamin D balance blend at that 5,000 IUs, but you score at a 42, we're going to make sure that two days a week you take a second capsule. So we'll make sure that you're getting an appropriate dosage to optimize bone health, but also get you through cold viral and flu season. And just a shout out on that. Remember, if you or another household member does get sick, the suggestion is to take four times your dosage for five days. So if you are doing uh, 5,000 IUs, you would take four capsules, which would be 20,000 IUs, and that would be taken over a five-day window. If your child is taking 2,000 IUs, you would go ahead and up them to 8,000 IUs for a five-day window. Just a really good way to kind of reset that immune mechanism so it is armed and ready to activate when needed. 
Yes, I think that's a really good little call to action. Um, And speaking of vitamin D, I want to talk for a second because a really important element of that vitamin D balanced blend that makes it balanced um, is the vitamin K. And we know that vitamin K has a really crucial role on bone health as well. Yes. So I mentioned that vitamin K plays that role of like a, again, a traffic cop, if you will, directing the calcium on where to go. And then that D plays a role with the calcium absorption. Um, but the vitamin K2 is actually a form of vitamin K that assists in bone remineralization and helps prevent calcium from accumulating into those blood vessels. We've seen studies that show that vitamin K2 can actually improve bone mineral density and decrease the risk of fractures. And we've seen that supplementing with vitamin K can prevent bone density loss and bone strength decline in certain individuals such as postmenopausal women. So we think of vitamin K1 as the form in the leafy greens, and both forms of vitamin K we think connected to gut health. So our leafy greens, getting in your green smoothies would be a great way to get that K1 up, but really K2 is the more active form of the nutrient. And this comes with, we often think of fermented foods, so like cultured vegetables, like kimchi, sour sauerkraut, pickles, natto or fermented soybeans, maybe making a sauce out of that. Um, We also look at vitamin K2 and some bioavailability actually in meats, cheeses, and even in egg yolks. Um, But if we see in a micronutrient assessment, taking it next level beyond that vitamin D spot, you can also look at a a micronutrient assessment that you can order on AllieMillerRD.com and that's much more comprehensive And I'll often see those with low vitamin K status when they have a sterilized microbiome or not enough gut diversity. So Mm -hmm. one way to get that is in our vitamin D balance blend, but then also support the foundation of production with probiotics as key as well. Yes. All right. And speaking of nutrients um, that support bone health, I think magnesium is one that is just often overlooked. Um, and we know magnesium has so many important roles in the body. It's often depleted with stress as well as just the aging process in general. Yes. And you know, many majority of Americans are deficient in magnesium and actually 50 to 60% of the magnesium in our body is found in our bones. I think a lot of listeners would assume that a lot more is in the muscle. Mm -hmm. We think of like neuro and muscular tension as a sign of magnesium deficiency, but actually the majority of our magnesium of our body is found in the bones. It plays a role as a macro mineral that supports healthy bone structure and is essential to the function actually of our osteoblasts and osteoclasts. So those regulating cells that build or break down our bones. It plays a role in our mineral homeostasis, regulating that osteoblast and osteoclast activity. And it plays a role with calcium and potassium levels as well. There was a four-year study in elderly adults that found increased magnesium was associated with higher bone mineral density in the forearm and uh, on a hip side. And we know that magnesium is, again, one that does decline additionally by age, required for over 300 enzymes in the body, and bone health is just one element. So getting leafy greens would be fantastic, nuts and seeds, legumes, 
avocados, all would be fantastic forms of magnesium. And then this is really where relax and regulate would be an important star of the show that has that magnesium bisglycinate in there, as well as myo inositol. Uh, very fantastic formula for parasympathetic regulation, kind of reducing that fight or flight stress surge, supporting balance in the body of circadian rhythm and sleep quality, and also even in bowel regularity. Yes. All right. And then on to vitamin C. So we know vitamin C has a crucial role in making collagen. So mm-hmm. that's also going to be supportive of the integrity of your bones. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's the biggest thing there. And then the fact that vitamin C has antioxidant mm-hmm. and anti-inflammatory properties, it can actually help with bone mineral density by reducing inflammation, which could drive more of that catabolic breakdown. Uh, of course, also vitamin C as an antioxidant could offset the level of toxin impact on the bones. And I think, yes, making that glue of collagen, which helps maintain the integrity of our bones, muscles, skin, and tendons is really that key piece of the puzzle there. So taking vitamin C with your collagen peptides could be a really beautiful thing to consider. Um, So doing like our berry beauty smoothie um, or incorporating organic berries uh, with coconut milk and a scoop of the pure collagen and a scoop of the grass-fed whey could be a really great synergy there. And then we think of citrus, of course, bell peppers, any form of produce is going to be a great source of vitamin C. And then uh, even looking at uh, tropical fruits like mango and papaya. Sure. Okay. And then finally, uh, there was a study in Frontiers of Microbiology called Osteomicrobiology, looking at healthy gut microbiome for bone health, as well as that connection to our women's flora. Yeah, there was a study specific on the lactobacillus ruteri, which is the strain, one of the two strains. It's a raminus and ruteri strain in our women's flora probiotic. And specifically, that study was called Lactobacillus Ruteri Reduces Bone Loss in Older Women with Low Mineral Density. Um, And this was a randomized, placebo-controlled, double-blind clinical trial. So really interesting, again, especially knowing I love the synergistic effect of when you're taking the Lactobacillus Ruteri in the women's flora probiotic, you're also preventing UTIs. Um, We know as we age and we transition into that peri and uh, menopausal age range that the pH of the vaginal canal shifts, which sets us up for higher risk for BV, yeast infection, UTI. So you're having that regulation of pH, you're reducing oxidative stress and reducing risk for cell, for cervical cancer, excuse me, with the women's flora strains. But then you're also getting this added awesome benefit of the bone mineral density support or prevention of continued bone mineral density loss. Cool. So I thought that was a really fun finding and, and could almost open up an entire other podcast instead of, you know, digging into the toxicity, really unpacking this vitamin K mechanism of microbiology in the gut and this whole world of what's called osteomicrobiology or basically how our gut microbiome and our gut bugs interplay or interact with our bone. And I think that that's something that we're really just starting to nick the surface of, but for listeners beyond the women's flora probiotic, maybe this is a call to action to do our probiotic challenge mm-hmm. and, you know, check in on the status of your microbiome. So I'll link that YouTube video as well. We'll link the five detox myths and the probiotic challenge as two kind of foundational things that you can do to support bone health. 
All right. So we've covered a lot of food as medicine for bone health kind of along the way and dabbled in this episode. Um, Let's just wrap with a little summary of kind of the most important top supplements, as well as maybe an example day that's going to support our bone health. Okay, so starting with maybe the food as medicine day, um, sipping on bone broth to start your day instead of your coffee or tea is actually going to be better for bone health. Uh, So starting your day off with a mug of bone broth would be lovely. And then if you are to have coffee, we do cover in that last episode that I mentioned that we'll link in the show notes, the impact of coffee on bone health. And so there are some studies that look at collagen influence and it is that adding the collagen peptides can somewhat mitigate in coffee, but that the collagen synthesis may not be as optimized. So just Think about when you're using our pure collagen. So one could be an option of offsetting the bone loss in your coffee, mm-hmm. so that neutralizes. But if you need the influence of the collagen peptide formation, you might want to wait and add that actually to like a smoothie sure, um, or into your bone broth. I've done that where I've mm-hmm. blended a collagen, uh, pure collagen scoop with my bone broth and some turmeric and lime. Um, that would add some vitamin C, another antioxidant boost there, which would be a really lovely thing to sip on. Then maybe you're having lunch of a nori wrapped uh, salmon. So we'll share that YouTube as well. You could use the traditional salmon with the bones in and uh, make some really simple kind of sushi wrap up bites. Then maybe midday doing that actual smoothie with berries, grass fed whey, pure collagen and raw milk to get some bone growth factor in there. And then having for dinner a protein, maybe a grass-fed burger topped with kimchi and a fried egg. So we're getting that vitamin K2 in there and that vitamin D in the egg yolk. Um, And maybe just a side of like grilled asparagus or sautéed bok choy. Uh, That would be a really beautiful food as medicine day. Support with some of those detoxifying nutrients, definitely getting some collagen synthesis and all those amino acids necessary for bone health. Love it. And then the supplements, um, kind of in order of importance, I guess, I would put the osteofactors at probably the top of mm-hmm. the list uh, for anyone with any bone health risk or active osteoporosis, osteopenia. Um, cellular antiox comes in pretty high, especially for combating that toxicity element. Mm-hmm. The detox packs would certainly be an add-on, and that could be you know the 10-day detox pulse several times a year or a detox pack thrown in a couple times a week to kind of offset things. Um, vitamin D balance blend. I'd probably move that up the list to go with hand in hand with the osteofactors actually. Sure. Um, and then the pure collagen, um, like you said, into a smoothie would be best. And the women's flora with that new information that we've got about the lactobacillus ruteri. Yes. So I think that that's a powerful lineup of supplementation strategy. The osteofactors would be three tablets a day. Cellular antiox could range two to four. A detox pack daily. And then, yes, pulsing them up if you're doing an actual 10-day detox. Determine your vitamin D dosage based on your status, but probably one capsule a day will do the trick. And then that women's flora probiotic can be taken as a capsule orally at bed. And then if you did have anything going on with the vaginal microbiome, that can even be inserted to help to treat or prevent UTIs if dealing with a pre-flare. 
Love it. Some really good stuff in today's episode. Um, And, you know, I think the keto class could also be a really organic element to add on as well to support your blood sugar balance and bone health in that sense. Um, So we hope that you will join us for our 12-week food as medicine ketosis program starting January 10th with our new and improved schedule of weekly check-ins with Allie and myself. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.